You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the third Sunday in Lent, March 7, 2021, by the Reverend Steve Best, Associate for Couples and Family Life at St. Thomas. Type of interaction. 
But Jesus, he didn't get angry and frustrated. He wasn't always compassionate and kind, at least in the lead-off. He was especially passionate about the defense of the vulnerable and the exploited in this society. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus abandons the soft and gentle, tactful approach. He did not believe it would be effective. Maybe he tried that the last 16 weeks with these folks. His conscience, however, could not let him walk away from the situation. He was not called to conflict avoidance. There were kingdom principles at stake. So what was it about the temple setup that was so important for Jesus to address? Well, there's a lot here. It's important to note that the temple at Jerusalem was enormous. It considered one of the great marvels and pride of God of King Herod, one of the marvels of the ancient world. There was, there was no doubt that Herod's most ambitious building project during his reign was this symbol of power. And well, the priests, they were part of the food chain as well, and they blessed it. Archaeologists have uncovered ample evidence at the temple to see that, in fact, it was a marketplace, just like it said in today's gospel lesson. Let's take a little deeper look at the economics of first century temple life. Now, religion practiced at that time, like so many ancient religions, was dependent on offering a regular sacrifice to deities and also paying a temple tax. This was to ensure divine favor, or, more negatively, to avoid harsh judgment by God. On these five golden days, and this setting today is the Passover, pilgrims from all over the Near East would come to Jerusalem. The money exchangers provided vital service, just like they do today for foreign travelers. But let's just pause for a moment. Raise your hand if you've ever been a victim of exorbitant feats in an international airport cash machine. <laughs> yes, this was a problem. But the larger problem was this religion, religious requirement of sacrificing a perfect temple of proved gold or sheep or god or pigeon. The temple had a monopoly on religion. And so they did with the economics of the region. Can you see the side of our side I can? The price of the goat this week is 100 shekels, and of course they don't tell you about the sign the last week that said the price of the goat was 20 shekels. So supply and demand, it's all the pilgrims come in, the price for the sacrifice comes out. Jesus was royally tipped off, and we should be too anytime we witness such exploitation, especially in the name of religion. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had a different and less charitable assessment than John in Paul's reading today. This is what they had to say. My house should be called a house of prayer, but you may be the man of robbers. So, it is clear that Jesus has had it. As mentioned earlier, we have sometimes in our lives tried that softer, gentler, more diplomatic approach. And sometimes it doesn't work. Being fully human, Jesus experienced every emotion that we have in you. This intense anger and a fierce passion for justice and freedom. He decided that all those merchants needed to be driven out. 
Interesting, the Greek word for driving or casting out is follow. It's the same word that the Gospel Mark uses to explain how Jesus was driven out by the Spirit that followed out into the desert to be tempted. We all have temptations when it comes to anger, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. Over the years, I've had mixed reactions to this story. On the one hand, I have felt validated for those times I have felt and expressed anger, especially towards someone or something or some system that was doing great harm to myself or others. I will never forget the two years that I engaged in a legal battle against a father who abused his daughter. My anger and faith were both gifts that empowered me to advocate for protection of my client's mental health and her therapy and to not give up. I even visited our bishop who said he would stand in solidarity. God and I won, by the way. That one. I'm sure you have your own stories about how anger is a gift, and I would love to hear them. On the other hand, the way Jesus' anger is expressed towards the money changers in today's story is disturbing to me. It's clearly intimidating. It's threatening. It would meet most modern definitions of harassment or violence. If you and I walked into a bank, for example, and threw the tables around and the money and started snapping a whip, we most certainly would be arrested. So, what exactly are we learning from this story? How might we make it our story as well? What is our takeaway? Could it be possible that there are times when the ends do justify the means, especially when there's something so important at stake? Even the above examples show that the bank had been discriminating against people of color by their lending practices, which is a historical fact. Would you feel more justified or less in showing up and doing something outrageous? Critical to this exploration is understanding that there are different kinds of anger. Sometimes we are angry simply because we do their way. Like a little small child. This is not the type of anger that Jesus is talking about today. It is a passion for the greater good. It is a passion to dismantle the systems that perpetuate injustice and even create eventually revolutions, often violent ones. This kind of discernment between acting on healthy anger that promotes needed change and the kind that only creates bitterness and hate have to be differentiated. It is practically hard to achieve that. It's important to remember that despite all the temptations to misuse this divine power, Jesus always chose the revolution of love, often tough love. In the scriptures, there is a notion of righteous indignation. It's so important that we understand it. We can't skip over it. It's a type of anger that's connected to God's will, of bringing equality and fairness into all areas of our lives. In relationships, families, workplaces, schools, permanent institutions, and in keeping with today's gospel reading, houses of worship. It is an anger that comes from desiring not what is best for only yourself, but for the entire community. And it comes as a gift from God. It is holy. 
What does righteous indignation feel like? How can we know what to do with it? It's an anger that's in alignment with the highest purposes of God. And it's, again, always about justice and mercy, equality, and the deepest form of love. If you're like me and you hear the reading from Exodus, as we did today, the Ten Commandments, all I can think about is from my childhood being, okay, I'm scared of God, I better not do something wrong. But in my more advanced age, I begin to see that maybe God is trying to set some boundaries so that we don't hurt ourselves and other people. So again, this shifting that God may be angry at the situation, God may be angry at an injustice, but God wants to empower us, not send us to prison. He wants us to grow. This is clearly seen in the lives of the great saints, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Richard Bonhoeffer or Mahatma Gandhi. They didn't turn away from conflict. They stepped into it. And they were always looking for discernment, looking at whether their anger was coming from a place of, of righteousness that is in line with God, or was it their own selfish agenda? I wonder if the money changers ever came to know Jesus' anger really was coming from a place of love. Would you love to know what happened to them after this amazing encounter with God? To summarize a bit, this righteous indignation, again, it comes from God. It's not a human love so much as a gift that God gives us to express. Again, it's not a blind eye to a blind eye to the injustices. It's about prayer. It's about deep conversation with God, reflection in scriptures, in scriptures in our reason, our human reason, and community discernment. It's all needed for accountability and safeguards to be established and maintained. But holy anger. Cannot be, cannot be suppressed. It must be expressed. We all need a type of discernment. And what does that look like? You know evolution, you know that there's a reptilian brain inside each and every one of us. It's ready to act out, ready to be uh, either coiling away or out to, to, to kill something. But we're talking about the type of our, our brain that is activated when we come into a deep sense of peacefulness and discernment about how to act once we feel this type of anger that calls us to do something. I believe that prayer always needs to precede our actions. And I offer you one of the gifts that I have found um, these past weeks in Lent that has helped me to. to to know that there is a place of centeredness to which God can speak more clearly about whether the anger is righteous and needs to be acted on, or whether it's something that we need to let go of. Either way, it's evolved, it's evolved healing. So this is a uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 46, and I invite you, if you know it, you can, you can say it along with, with, with me, if I can hear it. <laughs> So here it goes. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Trust.
we know from Matthew's account of the casting out of the money changers that the very first thing Jesus did after he cleared out uh, the corruption and all the shenanigans in that temple marketplace is the first thing he did is he invited in the blind and the lame and all who needed healing. We are told that there was such joy and wonder at that that the children in the temple could be heard singing their hosannas. What a hope that that contains for us, especially as we prepare for Easter. By clearing and cleaning those inner temples of our hearts, not being afraid of encountering anger, until we find ourselves eventually rejoicing with God over the new creation that He's bringing forth. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.stthomasmedina.org.